Welcome to KYH2O, a podcast about all things water in Kentucky. I'm Carmen Agaritas, an Extension Associate Professor in the Biosystems and Agricultural Engineering Department at the University of Kentucky. And I'm Amanda Gumbert, an Extension Specialist for Water Quality with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Join us as we get our feet wet exploring Kentucky's water resources. Well, thanks for joining us again for another episode of KYH2O. And Carmen, you got to speak with Wayne Sanderson of the College of Public Health here at the University of Kentucky. And this time you all um, talked about water safety. So tell me about the conversation. Yeah, we started uh, this conversation really about water safety because um, we wanted to think about recreation. Kentucky is blessed with so many unique water resources And we were both talking about how fun it is to get outside and enjoy these, whether it be boating or hiking along streams or swimming in lakes or rivers. Um, But as we do those, at the end of the day, even when we're having fun, we want to come home safe and healthy and in one piece. We're really, really fortunate here in Kentucky as far as lakes and rivers and and streams here in the state. We have some beautiful um, water system, lots of lakes for uh, for boating and and recreation. We have have streams that are nice and sedate. Uh, I love to go out on the Elkhorn and just canoe or kayak. It's uh, it's not white water. Uh, It's just very uh, relaxing. But if you want white water, we certainly have some uh, rather, at least as far as Eastern uh, uh, United States standards, some excellent uh, whitewater uh, kayaking uh, areas in um, in the uh, state, so uh, you know we're fortunate here in Kentucky to to have that. Of course, uh, whenever we're dealing with water, we need to keep safety in uh, in mind. Of course, one of the biggest uh, concerns we have that leads to boating accidents and drownings is people being compromised from uh, being inebriated from drinking too much. It's probably one of the greatest risks we, we have. The other thing is uh, that people often aren't prepared. Uh, for the water that they're going into to know um, if they're not good swimmers they shouldn't be in in deep water they shouldn't be in water uh, where um, uh, they can fall out of a boat or they can uh, slip on the bank and they can uh, um, uh, get into water that they can't uh, they can't handle Uh, certainly uh, having uh, flotation devices life preservers is a a good thing to uh, to to have Um, uh, have access to those Um, be familiar with uh, the water system you're going to go in, what are the, some of the risk factors like snags and uh, rocks, uh, fast moving water, uh, the, uh, besides the depth of the water, other things to, to, be, uh, to be concerned about. Um, so yes, as it's, uh, as summer approaches here and uh, people start getting out, they need to always be mindful of uh, not only the fun that water can have, but the dangers that are, that are associated. So Carmen, one of the things that Wayne reminds us of are the, the vast water resources that we have here in Kentucky, and especially our lakes and rivers. And um, so some one of the things that we need to think about is boat safety, right? We do need to think about boat safety. I remember growing up as a kid, and I grew up in Tennessee in the area of Tennessee Valley Authority, so we had lots of lakes, was boat safety was a big thing because it was really easily easy to get hurt out there. Um, and some of these lakes were really big and you might not have anybody around. And the time I'm talking about when I was down there it was before cell phones were really common. So if you got hurt or stranded, 
it might be a while before someone found you. Certainly, look at the at the safety of the the boat itself. You know, is it uh, um, uh, what uh, what kind of uh, boat are you going to go in? Are you going to go be in a houseboat? Are you going to be in a motorboat? You're going to be a canoe, um, and make sure that. Uh, that it's not leaky and that it has uh, it has all the uh, the proper uh, safety equipment that uh, you know I have seen situations where particularly with things like these jet skis where people will get way out in the middle of Kentucky Lake and run out of gas and there they are on a jet ski <laughs> in a lake with a lot of other boats going around with no control uh, and then they have to be you know somebody has to come along and tow them uh, tow them in so just being aware of uh, of what your uh, uh, the condition of your uh, 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 device that you're the water device that you're that you're using and uh, as we said just having the proper safety equipment associated with it that you that you have a life preserver I mean you never know whenever um, uh, even if you're a great swimmer if you're far from shore uh, you know people may not be able to make it back without uh, without having something that could uh, keep you afloat. Uh, so always having that, in fact, it's a requirement and it's one of the regulations that they have to be available for everybody. A flotation device needs to be available for everybody who's, who's uh, in, the, in the boat, who's on, um, who's on the water. So those are some good tips that Wayne gives us and, and reminders about how to be safe while boating. But there are some other dangers related to body temperature, whether you're on a boat or whether you're hiking or just being outside, right, Carmen? One of the dangers we can experience when we're outside is this concept called hypothermia. It's when our body just gets too cool. And we think about hypothermia probably most often in the wintertime, right? We're outside, we see snow, we see ice, it's really windy. Uh, we know we shiver, we get really cold. But hypothermia can actually happen any time of year. If uh, someone falls in the water, if they uh, become immersed in the water, even on a relatively mild day, uh, if the uh, if there's a lot of wind flow, uh, airflow, uh, they can um, uh, they can enter a situation where they can become hypothermic. In other words, their body temperature begins to uh, to drop. And this can happen. Uh, people go out uh, on at the beginning of a day and it's very warm, but the weather changes and by the end of the day it's uh, it's quite cool. That we've seen situations where people, particularly in the mountainous regions, uh, get into a stream, their kayak overturns, their canoe. Over returns, they become wet, and then um, they're not able to warm their body back up. So something that they need to be aware of, not only for having life preservers, but proper clothing uh, available or a way to change into uh, to, to dry clothing. So hypothermia is a situation where you're not, uh, your body temperature has fallen uh, below your normal range. That's the thing about humans is we, we have a very narrow range of what we call uh, homeothermic uh, um, process. We like to be a very narrow body temperature range. If we're too hot or we're too cold, our body systems don't uh, don't work uh, properly. So with hypothermia, it's when uh, your temperature begins to drop down around, like the normal body temperature in Fahrenheit is 98.6, in centigrade it's about 37. So whenever your body temperature drops down to around 96 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, you began to, uh, your, your uh, cognitive functions, your ability to think, your ability to uh, warm yourself, you start shivering. 
Um, you may not be able to have proper control of uh, people get to the situation where they can't walk. You know, they're they're just so cold they can't uh, uh, they can't get up and make it down the trail because uh, because they're so uh, so cold. And uh, you people can die from uh, from hypothermia. They can um, the body systems will begin to shut down if they're not able to maintain the proper uh, proper temperature. And, uh, uh, it is uh, it's something that happens every year. We lose a few people to hypo hypothermia if you have wet clothing and you don't have the ability to get out of that clothing um, then uh, the the it's it's it's, it's the concept of um, uh, conduction and convection so how does the what's the main way the body keeps itself cool uh, the main way we keep ourselves cool is even on a relatively mild day. I can feel myself right now. Maybe you're making me nervous, Carmen. <laughs> but I can feel my, my skin's uh, moist. And uh, that is as um, the, the pores in my skin release the, uh, the perspiration, uh, that evaporation where water goes from the liquid phase to the gaseous phase takes heat away from the body. Okay, so well, the same thing happens uh, if I'm immersed in water. Is that water, as it evaporates off my body, is taking heat away away from me? So if you've got wet clothing, that's what it's doing. It's basically as the water um, uh, on your in your clothes as it evaporates, it's drawing heat away from your skin, away from your body, and so the body temperature is going to uh, going to continue to to decrease, uh, and you can't get yourself warm. So having uh, getting those wet clothes off and having dry clothing is, um, is a good thing to do. Now there are certain fabrics. One of the things that, uh, you know, in the old days, the sailors all wore wool clothing because wool was great. Even when it was wet, uh, it was uh, it would still help maintain uh, the body heat. It would keep the, the, the uh, water from evaporating so close to the skin it would help. But of course we have all these fabulous new um, uh, fabrics that, uh, that help us today too, that help uh, wick that water away from the skin and help um, help keep us uh, dry even when they're even when they're uh, they're wet um, and of course what's the old anecdote that we tell people dress in layers right uh, so you could always take clothes off if it gets hot but have them available to put them back on if the temperature changes and it starts getting uh, cold so it's well that's a fascinating description and background information about hypothermia it's something that we really should think about because that's a really dangerous situation to get in. I mean, I'm kind of cold-natured anyway, and so I probably would be more susceptible to some of that. So I usually um, remember to have layers and, and dry clothing and backup clothing because I really just don't like to be cold, to be honest. And it's a, it's a great tip Wayne talks about with, you know, dressing in layers. And once you're talking about dressing in layers, um, you know, I've been outside either whether I be a run or hiking or something like that, you get really sweaty. And if you don't change your clothes or have clothes that dry pretty quickly, um, you will, like you said, start noticing you get cold, you get chilly, you start to shake a little bit, even when it's warm outside. Well, and you just mentioned that, you know, sweating and, and getting too hot, that kind of takes us to the other side of the spectrum. And um, Wayne talks a little bit about hyperthermia. Um, and dehydration. So let's listen to him talk about another precaution we need to think about in terms of, you know, monitoring our body temperature when the temperatures are a little warmer outside. Dehydration is uh, can occur all times of the year. 
even in uh, even people can get dehydrated even in the winter time uh, in uh, in certain conditions. But certainly, it's a concern uh, in uh, in the summertime whenever the temperatures are much hotter. People are doing involved in strenuous activity, and basically, it's just the way it sounds: is you haven't had adequate water intake, and there's a number of um, of health effects that can occur from not having a proper amount of, uh, of water. I mean, one of the things that, uh, that we know about is uh, cramps. Uh, people's, um, people would begin to um, have um, uh, leg cramps, they'll begin to have muscle cramps. Uh, then that's associated with the fact that they've been perspiring and they haven't been adequately uh, replenishing water and electrolytes. So having uh, something that would have a little bit of calcium and sodium in it to replace those electrolytes is a, is a help. But then um, uh, we do see um, uh, heat stress and we see heat stroke can be the most uh, significant factor. And that's where um, if you haven't had adequate replacement of um, fluids, is you begin to, the ability of the body to perspire and maintain body temperature in that way has been diminished. And so you can't, it's the opposite of hypothermia, hypothermia, it's hyperthermia, is the body temperature begins to increase and you don't have an adequate way to con control that. So uh, uh, we tell people that uh, you need to maintain uh, proper fluid levels and certainly depending on your amount of uh, 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 activity and the conditions you're, you're in, uh, having adequate water supply. And what is an adequate water supply? Well, it varies a bit from uh, from situation to situation, but certainly uh, when I'm out hiking on a hot day, I try to at least drink about a liter of water per uh, per hour, uh, and that's pretty significant influ uh, intake. And think about how much a water a liter weighs. So you want to you want to have uh, uh, um, make sure that you've taken plenty of water with you. Uh, it's particularly a concern in places where it's drier, like uh, when people go hiking out west in the desert southwest. Um, we see a lot of issues with hyperthermia as they haven't taken enough water with them when they go for a hike. And in particular, when we lose people to hyperthermia, it tends to be in, uh, in the western part of the United States. So Carmen, what did, what did Wayne have to say about um, other maybe water quantity issues that we need to think about when we're spending time outside. One of the big ones is after it rains, especially after it's rained a while. And we see that a lot in Kentucky. And if you subscribe to the National Weather Service, you probably get alerts from it. It's flooding. So in Kentucky, we can experience a lot of flooding and it can come pretty quickly. Um, and those of you that may hike, uh, probably want to pay attention to that, especially if you're in areas where there might be low water or when you're driving. So that's another one. A lot of times um, you will see people that drive into floodwaters. That's never a good idea to do because you just don't know how deep they are. Um, and also just thinking about boating. So if you're on a lake or a waterway, it's important to know what that water level is and is that water too high and moving too swiftly for you to get into it? So we had some flooding just recently uh, and, um, in the region and I, and a person knows the stream. I, so they're used to, they know, oh wow, this is really, really high. Um, that's different than if you're coming up on an area that you don't know. Um, and so um, certainly when you see water flowing over a roadway, 
uh, be very, very careful about that. You can, if you can't see the roadway, you really don't know necessarily how deep the water, how deep the water is. And we, we get situations with people getting swept away. Um, it happens every year uh, with, um, with that kind of uh, uh, kind of conditions. Um, whenever they're coming up for recreational uh, um, on a on a stream, it's good to uh, usually somewhere along the stream, uh, and also it's on the websites. There's conditions of the water. You can you can go if you're going to go out for a, a canoe or a, a, a boating on a lake. They will tell you what the, you can go and put the name of that uh, body of water on there and it'll tell you what the water flow is, uh, is like. Um, the Elkhorn uh, Creek flows right by my, uh, my farm and I know the conditions of that, that quite well. And there's, there's times when I won't put my canoe in that, uh, in that uh, stream because it's way too high, way too swift, way too dangerous to, to, to be in. So if you don't know the body of water, there are resources that you can go and you can find out what the conditions are. And often there's even safety alerts to say this is not not a good time to be in this particular um, uh, body of water. So I encourage people to, to consider that. That's a really good question to, to think about. Uh, when you're going out, check the conditions, check the what's the water flow like, what are, uh, if there's been uh, other warnings that have been associated with it. These are all really important things for us to remember as we enjoy the outdoors. I know you and I really like to be outside. A lot of our listeners are, I'm sure, avid outdoors people and naturalists and you know so they're interested in enjoying our natural resources um, but there's some basic precautions that we all need to remember and you know one thing that that Wayne brought up which seems really basic and really simple we teach preschoolers this too is to use the buddy system that's right and it's it's the idea that if you go out with somebody else and something happens to you there's somebody there immediately that can help you or go get additional help. And Wayne offers some really, I think, great tips um, and past experiences on why the buddy system is so important. So the buddy system is a, is a, a great concept, is um, uh, certainly being alone in any sort of environment uh, puts you at uh, a greater risk. And so um, uh, the early part of my career was with the Centers for Disease Control, and uh, the Centers for Disease Control gets called to all sorts of uh, situations. Uh, I mean, one of my first assignments was uh, uh, Mount St. Helens, when it erupted back in 1980, they sent a team of us out there uh, that were involved in the people who were going in and doing rescue and recovery operations. And our job was to make sure that they were protected. Uh, but uh, while we were out there, we always wanted to make sure that we were in contact with one another. Visual contact's better, but certainly having at least radio contact because you never know when uh, uh, the conditions or the climate could change. And particularly in a situation like that where we were worried about subsequent eruptions which did occur to be able to contact everybody and know where they were and of course the concept of the buddy system worked uh, worked uh, really well um, whenever um, we were involved in the um, anthrax attacks uh, we were having to go into environments all dressed up in these uh, these um, Tyvek suits with respirators and uh, you know we had duct tape around our masks to make sure we didn't inhale any uh, any spores uh, but 
uh, we were in a microclimate where we're talking about this perspiration and being able to uh, maintain body temperature um, in a really stressful situation. There's no way to cool yourself when you're wearing a Tyvek suit. So we were worried about people passing out from getting too hot. Uh, uh, for from dehydrating inside the suit so we made sure we had the buddy system so there was always somebody who was uh, with you so those concepts directly translate into when you're out uh, when you're out hiking there are people who love to go out uh, and uh, go for uh, the solitude of having a day with just themselves uh, in the woods or hiking a ridge or, or uh, canoeing in a river or what have you um, there's risk associated with that and it's at least good that you let people know where you're going to be, uh, when you expect to be back home, what your basic itinerary is, so that they have a general idea uh, where to look for you if you're not back by a certain time, uh, if something potentially uh, went wrong. And of course, these days, it doesn't always work, but uh, one of the big advantages that we didn't have back in the uh, 80s is the cell phones. Uh, you know, cell phones uh, are a great uh, safety addition. Besides uh, increasing our communications and being able to text and send each other uh, notes, uh, having a cell phone uh, is a great way to communicate with people if, uh, if you get into trouble, if there's uh, problems arise. Unfortunately, cell phone coverage isn't absolutely universal, so it's not a fail-safe. Certainly uh, letting people know where you're going to be. Um, uh, and uh, if you have somebody with you, all the, all the better. You can watch out for, uh, for each other. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of KYH2O. And we hope as you recreate and enjoy Kentucky's natural resources that you're safe while you're doing it. You've been listening to Carmen Agaritas and Amanda Gumbert. Learn more about water at uky.edu forward slash BAE forward slash KYH2O. Subscribe to hear all episodes of KY H2O.